Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is onto the cinemas, Ice House is blaring on the stereo, it's humid and dangerous, and a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course, is my dad. Loose Units, the podcast, was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on the force back in the early 80s. So this season, dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980. And each week, we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book. And dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling, revelatory, and as always, very very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins. I'm Paul Verhoeven, that's John Verhoeven, and Dad, how the hell are you this week? Paul, Mm. I... Can I share something with you? Please do. Yeah. I'm so excited because I have got some items in auction this morning. Uh Uh-huh. And just prior to going on, going live... Yeah. With you, um, I was watching a little bowl that I bought a few weeks ago. I paid fifty dollars for the bowl, mm-hmm. and I've been watching it in the last few minutes live, yeah. and it just went for uh, seventeen hundred. Okay, that's exciting. Mm. But I'd like to posit that that is the exact opposite in terms of thrill level as a car chase. And this week's chapter of Lucy. I mean, honestly, Dad, I mean, you went from car chases to watching bowls sell very slowly live on Zoom, but I'm not denying that there isn't a certain thrill to that. Obviously, it's exciting, but it's a different genre of thrill to Loose Units. And this week's chapter, Cut to the Chase, deals with, yeah, it deals with car chases. Um, now, before we get to the car chases, though, last week's chapter ended with a fairly big announcement, uh, in, in, like in the kind of story. And I feel like we may have kind of buried the lead a little bit. You found out that mum was pregnant. So you were doing your exams and you were called out of class, uh, out of the exam. And you basically went across to a phone and mum told you she was pregnant. Mm. And we didn't really talk about the kind of implications for that and how it felt and what it meant. You know, uh, we went straight to the exciting stuff. Well, to Mm. the conventionally exciting stuff. Mm. I mean, at this point, you were, what, 21 years old? 21, Paul. That's a two followed by a one. <laughs> Not two plus one, which is no. three. I, was, I wasn't I was three. And I'd be I would th- have been a super baby cop. Sure. Which is a whole other show and, frankly, a spinoff that I think <laughs> is really worth exploring. Oh, you're so funny. Are the rest um, of the co- Hang on. In Super Baby Cop, are the, re- mm. are the rest of the cops all babies or is there just one baby surrounded by adult cops? Well, you could be a baby and have short people. In it as well. So what you're saying on top of the... Right. 
Okay. Is it funny to have a, a police station stationed entirely by babies, right? Well, it'd be a very tiny station. Or would it be regular sized and there's just booster chairs? Or they could, um, like, like that little thing inside the Daleks, those little jellyfish. Right, so you're saying that you would have a bunch of Daleks and then they kind of open and there's a baby holding Correct. a joystick. I love right. it. But, the, I mean, like a, a, a Dalek wouldn't... Paul, I've this got a feeling good. you're onto something. Am I really? Well, I mean, why not do like... I think there's a, a TV show in it called Baby Cops. Baby Cops, uh, okay. I mean, if they the could. criminals are babies and the, and the cops are babies, right? I mean, if you've got problems with the systemic kind of... If you've got problems with police, I guarantee you, you would have less corruption and less abuse of power with... Actually, what am I talking about? Babies are incredibly selfish and noisy. Mm. You wouldn't they- need sirens. You just whack a mic on them and just make sure there's a crying one in the back of each cop car. Mm. You could um, have all their parents behind bars, which for some families, that's not such a bad idea. Mm. Thanks for injecting a dose of realness into this very mm. stupid premise. But Paul, um, a couple of couple of funny things. Firstly, sure. the room in which I was doing that exam. Yes, yes. When, on that fateful day when I found out that your mother was pregnant with you. Yep. I was 21. I'm in the mm-hmm. middle of a major final exam. Yesterday, that's less than, well, for people listening, less than 48 hours ago, I drove past that very building which is now mm-hmm. the Taoist temple yep Christine was sitting to my left which is the only place she could be sitting if she was sitting to my right she'd be hovering outside the car correct yep and I looked up and I said to Christine there is the room I was now isn't that and I did not know genuinely Paul that we were going to be talking about this today so again something quite almost mystical yep um don't you think that's a bit weird it's a little weird. Um, I mean, of all the streets in Sydney to drive down. It's very yeah. odd. I'm, I, I'm, I'm very curious as to what it was like being a 21-year-old being told that you're about to have a kid. I know lots of people have kids young, but I mean, did you... For, okay, here's... Shit. Here's something that is very odd to drop on a podcast. Um, I don't know how to ask this, Dad, and I'm sure listeners are not going to enjoy this conversation, but was I planned? Uh, definitely not. not in the slightest you were without going into all the intricacies of um what's a what's a fuck trying to think of a way to put this did you have any idea when this call came through you know what no forget that did you have any idea that christine was pregnant at this point no idea whatsoever Right, so you're in a really high-stress, high-stakes situation. The, the fate of your career in the police force, because, okay, so you finish, you're back at secondary, right? So you've mm. done however long in placement with the buddies at mm. North Sydney. You're back mm. at secondary. What happens if you fail those exams? Uh, you'd be kicked out of the police force. So the, the, the stakes are extremely high, mm. and you are interrupted by a fellow officer who you have a relationship with. And in fact, at this point, you're married to, right? I mean, you were married at this point. You were engaged, certainly. Um, Paul, have you ever looked at the wedding photos, our wedding photos? They're pretty rough. Well, my father was the photographer and he used yeah. an old-fashioned camera 
which had small bellows. Now, a lot of people are probably going to have to Google that just to even get their head around what bellows are. But he took all these photographs of the wedding and not one of the photos has our faces in it. He cropped them out. No, accidentally. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. So he was such a shit photographer that he just sort of had the camera listing down slightly. Yeah, so you, you could transpose any people that were getting married in that period in time anywhere in the world. Yeah. It could be anyone. But it could be me. Paul, a couple of things that I want to touch on here. When when Christine and I got married, yeah. she was five months pregnant. Did you know that? Mm, no. The timelines, I mean, you've this is you've squiffed with the timelines now. Mm. So right. Maybe that's okay. perhaps an off air discussion as to explain. Oh why. no. I don't. I don't know if it's very. I don't know how squiffy it actually is. So you proposed in Fiji, yes? I proposed to Christine after I'd known her for two weeks. Yep, on, on the, plane. the plane. On the plane, and that's I'd already. I'd already bought the ring. Yeah, and that story is on. Is yeah, on. Yeah. On the record. So I was obviously fairly confident. But yep. the day that Christine called me to say she was pregnant. Yep. She was working in recruiting at police headquarters. Okay. She was feeling a bit off. She went to see one of the nurses at police headquarters. And the the sweet nurse gave Christine. She kind of assessed Christine and said, well, have you ever considered that you might be pregnant? Oh, Jesus. Okay. So Christine actually did the test at work. And those testers, we all know, are relatively quick. And gen- generally, I-, I guess I'm not sure what the statistics are mm-hmm. in terms of their reliability, but I imagine they're pretty damn good. Good enough for Christine to then, once she had the results, and she was probably in relative shock, although I might go out on a little bit of a limb here. Christine's not here at the moment. But I'm, I'm very, very certain that she was over the moon and beyond excited. And I think when you play with fire, yeah, uh, not perhaps not the best analogy because I was going to say you get burnt, but that sounds doesn't quite sound right. Um, but Christine and I, we in in the early eighties, um, it was considered. W- or we were considered very young to have a child. Okay. None of our friends, none of our friends had children. And that was kind of a little bit depressing for us because, you know, we were kind of newly married and kind of... I mean, look, it's funny, isn't it? I I guess... There are so many philosophical discussions and, 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 and thoughts. And I, if I had my time again, mm. which is a crazy thing to say, I would You'd... not change a thing. Oh, Having children, having you and Anne. And each, each birth was a cesarean. So Christine's had three Caesars. And I think for any women out there or families out there, that's, that's a pretty tough gig. But the greatest thing about having kids young... The greatest thing is the fact that we have the best relationship with all our kids. It's incredible. And 
you know, I mean, it's. I think it's incredible to have just such a short, relatively short gap, say, between you and me. It's only um, 20 years or so. Yeah, yeah. Which is tremendous in terms mm-hmm. of... I mean, I, one of the guys in the book, because there was me, there was Julian, and there was Dave, the three of us. We were tight. We were the guys that used to, you know, just do a lot of diving together. And Dave's called... I think Dave's called Richie in the book. Okay, cool. Yeah. But he, yeah. that's sweet. I mean, that's... I don't really care about... Um, and he won't either because um, I've seen him recently. And, um, you know, we were all very, very tight, close friends. Mm-hmm. And... But, you know, when we had... I mean, his... On his 21st birthday, when we tied, when we handcuffed him to the to the the door at a pub in North Sydney, which you've written about, yeah. um, his father then was almost 80. Can you believe it? That's his crazy. father had him when he was 60. And I'm not saying and never would say there's, no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. However, you know, the younger you are, the more time mm. you get to have with your children. That that, yeah. that 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 is a statistical on the balance of probabilities fact. That does add a kind of pressure, I think, because then you. I, I think some people feel like they have to choose between whether they want to spend time with their partner, wife, uh, husband, whatever, or whether they want to spend more time with their children. And one is a known quantity and one isn't. And I think that's the, that's the real pressure because you might really think your wife is the coolest person in the world. And then you might go, look, I want to spend as much time as possible with my kids. And then you might have kids in their rat bags and you miss out on time with your wife mm. or vice versa. I don't know. I feel mm. like it's... That's weird, isn't it? It's complicated, yeah. Oh, but Very look, complex. I think um, I'm really curious. I'd love to turn a touch base with mum at some point and see how she felt about this because obviously mm. this exacerbated her leaving the force. Mm. Um, and she was told in no uncertain terms that she basically had to, you know, bugger off, which is mm. the reason she wasn't a cop and you kept going. And I felt very, very bad about that for, for many years yeah. because she was such a great police officer mm. and she'd chosen a, a very exciting and vibrant career. And, you know, we recently met up with Sue. Yeah. And Sue stayed in the New South Wales police force and did all sorts of exciting things and you know, there there were female police officers back in the that I worked with at North Sydney that are still in the New South Wales Police Force today in the most incredibly senior roles, like unbelievable roles. And I sometimes hypothesise or postulate what would have happened if mm. I had have stayed in the New South Wales Police Force. And when I left the police force and joined WorkCover, as everyone knows, I was at the crossroads and I ended up joining the New South Wales Fire Brigades. But for many years, I would lament the fact that I'd left the police force and I, at one stage, as I have mentioned before, seriously considered rejoining the New South Wales Police Force. And I sometimes, I guess a few times a year, think about, you know, I'm 61 now. I, to this day, think about what would have happened to me in the New South Wales Police Force. And I feel that I would have gone through the ranks and and who knows, I, you know, because I, I did love the, the whole concept of policing and, and um and one yes. of the things you, one of the things you seem to have really enjoyed and taken to was the kind of, you know, like the high octane thrill ride stuff 
um, specifically car chases. Mm. So I think what we should do is hook into that portion of this chapter. It's chapter 33 and it's called Cut to the Chase. This is kind of a chapter about car chases, right? How would you talk us, okay, talk us through these chases in particular and talk us through these stories, if you can say. Well, car chasing, car chases in the New South Wales police force, any police force back in the 80s, they were thrilling, they were exciting, they were adrenaline charged, they were no holes barred, throw all the rules out, except perhaps try not to run over pedestrians. The objective in all pursuits back then was to terminate the chase as quickly as possible, which generally meant trying to push the driver you're chasing to either just go, you know what, I'm just not going to get away from the police and I'm just going to pull over really nicely, which rarely happened. But generally speaking, you would push them beyond their capabilities Uh and invariably you'd get them to crash. Now, that sounds so insane. But look, with that in mind, let me just kind of shove us in here at this excerpt from the chapter. Here we mm. go. John and Julian were heading to Manly when, out from a busy lane of traffic, a silver Ford Falcon burst away, swerved onto the wrong side of the road, and began to accelerate pell-mell in a huge smoky arc, all in clear view of the patrol car. And given their eagerness to galvanize their slowly growing reputation as go-getters, they nodded at each other with the unspoken language of any two people who understand each other, flipped on the light, hit the siren, and gave pursuit. And then this chase kind of takes place heading up Sydney Road. Uh, I'm not sure how different this area that you're chasing through is now to the way it was then. In my head, I mean, because my my memory of Sydney streets are pretty much, I would say, from the 90s, Mm. uh, which is kind of, you know, when I grew up over in Sydney. Mm. I mean, what was it like... Talk us through this car chase specifically and and what it was like chasing somebody in this era. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This particular offender was one male person to mm. use police parlance or parlance and um, 
he had obviously committed some type of offence. He almost wrote us off. He was on our side of the road. We were about to... We're, we're just minding our own business. We were heading over to Manly. It was the beginning... It was kind of... It was an afternoon shift, which went from 3 p.m. till 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. On this particular night, it was around about 6.37 p.m. It was a summer night. We had our just shirts on. Otherwise, if I re- would have remembered because... I mean, you, you do tend to remember weird details about particular events because this is a really, really big night. It's a massive car chase. Now, mm-hmm. we were heading to Manly, so we're out of area, which is kind of problematic. Whenever you're out of area, you don't necessarily know the terrain like your own sort of turf. I knew the area really well because it's on the northern beaches and I'm sort of born and bred on the beaches. Mm. So this car... Like we're heading down Sydney Road towards Manly Police Station. It's dark. Uh, and this car just comes at us and it's on our side of the road. It takes a few seconds to realise that this car is actually heading towards us on our side of the road. So we're about to have a head-on collision and the car swerved and just takes off. So instinctively, uh, Julian did a Yui and we chased the car. Now, we had no idea at that stage what the person's done uh, we called a pursuit, which means uh, I'm the senior man, I'm the observer. I get onto VKG, give them my call sign, which was 610. We were working at a Mossman, 610 in pursuit, um, following a silver Commodore or a Falcon in a westerly direction along Sydney Road. And that's pretty well all the info we can get. Uh, we didn't back then ever give speeds, so... By the time Julian caught up with the the vehicle, and it's really dangerous, this person, I mean, we don't know what they've done. Yeah. Have they just committed an armed robbery? Have they just, have they murdered someone? Yeah, if someone drives like this in front of a visible patrol car, your assumption is, I assume, that they've done something horrible and they are just, they assume, their assumption is that you are onto them. Mm. Is that right? Correct, correct. So, you know... The adrenaline, you tighten your your seatbelts up, you kind of brace yourself, you get ready, you have absolute 100% faith and trust in your driver. Mm-hmm. Your life is in his hands. That is a given. And it's breakneck speed. These cars that we were driving were fairly quick, but they were not pursuit cars. In other words, they didn't have sort of beefed up disc brakes all round. They... They're just a sort of a normal sedan that comes off the assembly line. Mm. They're not special, uh, and they're all automatic. So we're hot-footing it, chasing this car, and then the car travelled through a few suburbs and then started to go down the spit bridge, which for listeners that don't know the area, it's sort of the conduit between the northern beaches and the lower North Shore, and then by that stage, and they're heading along Military Road, this this offending driver doing incredible speeds. So in terms of speeds, in kilometres per hour, we're talking... And there's a fair bit of traffic around because yep. it's the main road going into the city. Mm-hmm. So we're talking... It's a three-lane uh, road each way, each direction. There's a median strip, plenty of side streets, numerous, numerous sets of lights... Um, and the average speed was, say, 120 to 140. Jesus. Which is about twice the legal speed. 
on the road, but this person could drive. Bearing in mind, we're chasing this driver. He's not stopping. We're starting to call cars in. VKG are starting to get a sense because they've got huge maps and they're looking and they're kind of getting a sense and the general feeling was that this particular driver was heading towards the city. Mm-hmm. Now, and that all sort of came came to be. And now let's remember, listeners, that when this car comes to a red light, he doesn't slow down. He, he goes through these red lights at over 100 kilometres an hour. And there's a particular point on this road, military road, where you can either go left to go down to the zoo, mm-hmm. Taronga Zoo, or you can go right to head into the city. Now, that's okay. a fairly radical corner. So, and there are cars blocked and banked up at lights, and he's got to sort of sometimes, um, you know, he'll mount the median strip, he'll mount the gutter, he'll do whatever he has to do. Because the worst thing in his mind is for him to be sort of caged in where he has nowhere to go. Yeah. And we don't know also if he's armed. You've got all these things going through your mind. The chase that started in Manly, we started heading towards the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Yeah. And by that stage, he was reaching speeds in excess of 160 kilometres an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, which is close to 100 miles an hour. That's really yeah. fast, and that's scary. And we're, uh, you know, we're, we're keeping up. Now, back in the uh, in those days, they had toll collectors on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and the toll back then was 20 cents. Yep, to go across the bridge, and you would have to stop at every single toll booth except a few of them that had these buckets where you just throw 20 cents in but mm. most of them were manned by by men and you'd stop you would hand them 20 cents or you might hand them a dollar bill or a two dollar bill or a fiver and you get change and then you would start off now this guy he was approaching the toll booths at 160 as were we and i'm just trying to imagine the poor toll collector because he would have seen something coming hurtling, barreling. And it's, look, it's a bit of a challenge to drive through the toll gates at a normal speed or a yeah. slow speed. But at, when you're doing massive speeds, and this guy just, he went screaming through the toll booth. He would have chosen one which didn't have a car in it, obviously. And we've followed him. And I reckon that, that the toll collector inside must have literally braced himself against or held on to whatever he could for fear of being literally sucked out of the toll booth because they were like these little cubicles yeah, and yeah. having that much air sort of rip past you. I mean, anything could ha- It's just scary to think about. Mm. And then, and by that time, we were heading into the city and we fortunately, and I say this in a sort of a macabre sort of way, we started to head up towards Darlinghurst. And for those listeners that know loose units and know the whole story, Paul, about you know, my time in the police force, we must cast our memory back to Darlinghurst was a notorious sort of precinct. It was the most notorious in in New South Wales, certainly. Mm -hmm. And it was a no-go area for other police officers. Like, we were never allowed to go into that area for, for lots of reasons. And you go up through the red light district. And this chase went right through the middle of King's Cross. It was just... And King's Cross is sort of a, back then was a, was a 
there were prostitutes, there were gangsters, there were bikies, and they're all there, and they kind of, it really revs everyone up. So it's almost as though you'd go to King's Cross and expect to see at least one high-speed chase rip through the centre, and it's super dangerous Mm. because this guy is just fanging it. And we're in pursuit, and then what happened was they amalgamate all the channels, as you know, and God, I can feel myself getting all excited as I'm in the car. And um, then the big F100 paddy wagons. And they had they had not one, but two, maybe even three paddy wagons at Darlinghurst, which is super weird because mm. at North Sydney, we only had one, which was 6-1. And all these paddy wagons, and they had massive 350 Ford motors. They, these were powerhouses, these things. And they, they hadn't been involved in the pursuit. We had been pursuing this car for maybe 15 minutes isn't that incredible and we literally had no brakes left the brakes fade and it becomes very dangerous and then what we did we kind of backed off a little bit when we realized that the Darlinghurst boys were sort of taking over the chase and we were really happy for them to take over the chase because the Mm. good news is that if they manage to arrest the guy it becomes their arrest okay and it's near their police station so in a funny sort of a way, we get to have the thrill of the chase. Without the, without the cleanup. With no, no, no paperwork, no court. It's a win-win. Anyway, we got out onto Oxford Street. I witnessed something that I found very exciting, quite surreal, and something that was of the time. And that was how these Darlinghurst police, who are... Basically, I can't even describe them. They were... Yeah, anyway. Well, I'll tell you what they did. Okay. They got around this car. Mm-hmm. They literally... And they're, they're all doing... They're all moving for pretty quickly. So it's an amazing manoeuvre to actually watch. So we backed right off. Mm. We're just watching this unfold through our windscreen. And they basically got one paddy wagon in front of this guy, one either side and one behind. And they're still travelling at probably 80, 90 kilometres an hour, and they had him boxed in. Now, what they can then do, they control the chase. He, he has nowhere to go. And then what they did, they slowed down, and they it was so beautiful to watch, like poetry in motion. They simultaneously moved to the right and up onto the median strip, and... Basically, they steered him off the road. They steered him off the road. Crazy. It was unbelievable. And then by the time that the four police wagons and cars had stopped, he was totally, totally boxed in. And then, of course, there's the commotion. He couldn't get out of his car. He couldn't open the door because they'd wedged all the cars around him. Mm. And then one police officer unceremoniously slides across the front of one of the police cars and literally pulled this guy out through the window. Literally pulled him out of his car because you can imagine the adrenaline and they basically drag and haul this guy over the bonnet of, a, of one of the big police cars. They then drag him round to the back of one of the paddy wagons. They open up the back of the paddy wagon and they basically throw him in the back of the wagon. And that's pretty well it for us. It was so surreal. We we didn't talk to anyone. We didn't even get out of the police car. 
we just sort of let things calm down and we drove we drove back to North Sydney. And then what happened? And then and this is kind of oh God, it's incredible. <laughs> We're driving across the Sydney Harbour Bridge and talking about the excitement and the thrill. Mm-hmm. A Holden Monaro, which is like a serious I'm not gonna say racing car, but it's a it's a it's a really serious beast beast of a car. Yeah. A really fast car. We were doing probably seventy kilometers an hour heading back home. And this car overtook us as though we were standing still. It was incredible. And all of a sudden we're in pursuit again. But what we, what happened was we realized, because they started to amalgamate the channels, that mm. there was already, this guy was already in a chase. And when we looked in our rear vision mirror, we could see blue lights in the distance. So they were chasing this, uh, these, there were actually a few people, offenders, yeah. Yeah. in this kind of what I describe as a sort of a borderline racing car. And um, these people had committed various offenses in the city. And they were being pursued, but we didn't know that until they opened up the channels. So we've seen this car that's being chased by police from the city. I mean, it overtakes us and we think, shit. So then we're in pursuit. So the funny thing was that we were in front of all the police cars that was chasing this car. We'd kind of inadvertently got involved in this chase that was so... You jumped ahead in the line we without jumped, meaning we, we to. We queue jumped massively, okay. which okay. kind of would have been a bit, bit weird for the, the pursuit cars that were at the front of that group. Sure. And some of the police cars that were involved in the pursuit were highway patrol cars, and these cars would, you know, these are sort of serious pursuit cars that, that could do serious speed, and and eventually we kind of we're following the whole commotion, and. We kind of backed off a little bit because we'd already had a fair bit of intensity from the previous chase and our car was not quite doing as well as it possibly should have been. I think we'd, mm. we'd really given the engine a bit of a hard time. But we knew the area and these police officers did not know the area. And as it turns out, the offending driver with his crew, mm-hmm. they knew in a way, where they were going. Okay. And they went up Willoughby Road and we were being overtaken by other police cars, which was kind of weird. And then we witnessed the most extraordinary sort of incident where there was sort of a, a, a crash. The offending vehicle crashed. A couple of the other police cars were involved with in in the sort of combined sort of accident um and there was commotion and everyone all the offenders ran away so by the time julian and i rocked up to this scene there were a lot of police cars from various areas that ultimately all come in and the police were all you know had their torches out and they're sort of searching houses front yards you know looking under bins and like big dumpsters yeah, looking under, like just just kind of getting this, get it, trying to get a handle on where these offenders could have sort of run to. They they they'd effectively vanished. These guys in this car, and Julian and I, we sort of slowly 
kind of rocked up to this scene of sort of great confusion and you could clearly see that this car had sort of run up on the gutter and it was obviously a stolen car and all the doors were open which gives you an idea that you're probably looking at at least four offenders and then Julian and I we just stood there looking and there was a block of apartments with a sort of a an entrance that went downstairs into an underground car park and Julian and I looked at each other and we didn't say anything but to us because we had the benefit of sort of a bit of calmness yeah we weren't in that initial kind of psycho when everyone's running around and going in all different directions and we were able to sort of case the scene and get a very good sense of what we thought possibly would have happened yeah and Julian and I walked down into the basement of this car park there were a few cars parked and I'll never forget I just instinctively looked under one of the cars and I reached under and I just dragged this guy out (laughs) one of the offending drivers uh, you know one of the offenders yeah and Julian did the same and we it was so surreal we basically frog marched these well we only got two guys um not sure what happened to the others but it was pretty cool to have got sort of been the last to arrive at this sort of tumultuous scene mm. and we frog marched these two guys back up into the Malay into all the and people could clearly see that we'd pegged two of these guys and um again but it wasn't in our area and we sort of handed them over to uh Chatswood 25 division because mm-hmm. that's where the chase finished and we uh we sort of yeah handed them over and hopped in the car and that was the uh, the end of a rather surreal shift. But again, no paperwork. You just do the fun bit, right? The fun bit is the chase, and then you get to kind of sod off and let someone else do the hard work, which is just crazy. Well, look, I mean, that's that's several amazing car chases crammed into one episode, so I'm really, really happy that you told us those stories. But thank you so much for listening to another jam-packed episode of Loose Units Origins. We'll be back at the end of the week with a hot piping episode of Loose Ends. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.